May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. O you who love the Lord, see that you hate the thing which is evil. This in our psalm today from verse 10 of Psalm 97 speaks of what our demeanor as Christians must be towards wickedness and evil. The sinful world around us tempts us, as we know, towards the opposite, hatred of God and love of evil. Often these temptations are not so evident. They're cloaked. They're cloaked in things such as one can love God and maybe love some evil things or maybe just one evil thing while hating most of what's evil out there. Yet Holy Scripture and especially James chapter 2 verse 10 teaches that if we break even one small part of God's law, we are guilty of breaking all of God's law. As we know, we live in a most dangerous time with these temptations to embrace, to accept, and to practice evil. The evil is questioned with languages with language seeking to say hatred of such evil has now been declared the new unforgivable sin in depraved human eyes. Sinners bent on wanting to remain in their sin attack Christians for their belief that God was serious in declaring all the sins he declared as sins in Holy Scripture. How are we as Christians to respond to these raging storms against God, his word, and his church that we encounter in this world? This morning, let us examine this question in light of our passage in Ezekiel chapter 18, as well as the other passages we listen to today. The first manner to approach how we must respond to this wickedness is this from verse 20 of our Old Testament reading. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. In light of Ezekiel's assurance here about the individual's conduct and faith, we need to ask a couple of questions especially from scripture. What about Deuteronomy chapter five, verse nine? You shall not bow down to, to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. And coupled with the proverb among the Hebrews that Ezekiel quoted today in verse 19 of our lesson, yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? Looking at this from the viewpoint and the experience of Ezekiel, the prophet's audience, these considerations make sense. Most of the people of God, after all, of the land of Judah, except for the very poorest of the land, were taken off into exile to Babylon. The people of God knew this was for their generations of sin against God, for their repeated violations of his commandments even after generation upon generation of God's prophets pleading with them to repent and to remain faithful. The people, the wicked, even with the faithful, were paying for their collective unrepentance. Sometimes in the midst of chastisement, people can resort, if you think about it, to a fatalistic outlook that tempts them to believe that there's nothing that can be done. I'm finished. In such hope, 
is falsely lost. Ezekiel and the rest of Scripture paints a different picture. That on this side of eternity, there is always hope. The call of God's word as the prophet Ezekiel spoke about and stated in our passage is that we as people are responsible for our lives before God regardless of the lifestyles of our parents, regardless of the lifestyles of our children. In our, it is our decision if we will let the sinful lifestyles of either our family members such as parents or children determine our course in life. The world around us wants us to let the sinful lifestyles of family members determine our morality in terms of what is right and wrong. As we see all around us in our own day, the world screams in disgust if we deign to reject the sins of family members in fidelity to God and his word. Yes, sometimes the consequences for sins and the sins of others affects the Christian, affects the faithful. We see this during the time of Ezekiel the prophet, who was in exile along with the other people of Judah. Ultimately, we as God's children will suffer through this life when we choose to live in Christ. As our epistle states, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. When we suffer as the faithful along with the unfaithful, just as the prophet Ezekiel did, we are called to the same as Ezekiel and many others in these times. We are called to minister to our faithful fellow Christians, as well as to call the unrepentant to repentance and to faith in God. We are to be firmly rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, light in the darkness, offering hope in Christ. The next manner we must respond to the evil of this world in terms of our call to hate evil is to proclaim this truth from Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. As we encounter those stuck in sin, they don't often want to hear these words. They'd rather ignore these words or try to change and twist scripture to allow their favorite sins, or simply and fatalistically determine that they would rather live as they please, regardless of the consequences in this life and in the next. Our calling in these endeavors to the wayward and lost must be with a mindset of our obedience to God. Not in worldly terms, such as winning a debate at all costs or being right at all costs. We always need to avoid human pride. We are called simply to tell the truth of Holy Scripture against evil. As 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 reminds us, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The manner, though, this is communicated to the lost, to the wayward, must always reflect the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ with firmness. As our epistle stated today, when we're confronted about what we believe. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Such means we as Christians, first and foremost, in the hatred of wickedness and the hatred of evil in this world, 
first must shine the light of Jesus Christ within ourselves. We must examine ourselves constantly, letting his light expose areas of our lives in need of penitence. From this humble state that we are called to maintain all our days, we are better able to confront the sins of the world around us with Christ and his gospel. Sometimes, as we see in our own day, the church becomes shy, becomes cowardly in response to how adverse the world reacts against sin as defined in Holy Scripture. So parts of the church tippy-toe around the issue even to the point of rarely or never using words such as sin, evil, wickedness, repentance, penitence, and so forth. Such places, in the end, surrender to the world, the flesh, and the devil through seeking the approval of sinners along with their sin. The mission of the church, the mission of believers, is to speak the truth through challenging sinners with their sins, to confront their sin, to call them to repentance, to call them to bend the knee in allegiance and trust to Christ alone. See, it is God alone that builds his church, not human beings using sinful strategies of appeasing allurements. Our call is humility in our obedience. Another element of the evil of sin being evil and calling it such, no matter what, is this from verse 24 of our lesson. But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered. For the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. When the righteous sin, when they go wayward, and they have no inclination to repent, often in response to the consequences of their sins, they'll pull a, look at all the good I did in the past, trying to deflect. There is no special class of person that is immune from the consequences of sin to be able to get away with it. The only way for sinners, the only way for all of us, is repentance and turning to Christ in faith, forsaking our sins and seeking his righteousness. Lastly, in seeking God's way in the sense of how to reply to the wicked plans constantly afoot in the world around us is what we find in verse 21 of our lesson in Ezekiel. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Further, despite how we feel sometimes, even if we've been forgiven of our sins, verse 22 states, none of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. As we know, our Lord and Savior accomplished this at the cross, paying for our sins in full. See, our sins, when repented of in faith to Christ, are not forgiven only partially or briefly. They are forgiven entirely. They are forgiven eternally to the point they're not remembered. Our call is the same towards one another as redeemed sinners leaving the sins of the past and the past that have been repented of and forgiven and reconciled. 
The way of the redeemed in Christ in relation to him and to each other is the humility he instills within us. As verse 8 of 1 Peter 3 reminds us, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. When we want to go through life keeping score, holding on to the memory of the sins of others against us, even after repentance and reconciliation, we exhibit deep-seated pride. Humility is the way of Christ and his cross, the way of leaving sins that have been forgiven, reconciled of in the past. When forgiven, as all of us have been forgiven on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our responsibility now is to forgive others asking God's help to live in mercy and forgiveness with those that sin against us and repent. Sin met with unrepentance begets blight and death. Sin met with repentance leading to reconciliation in Christ begets growth and fruit that benefit all to God's glory. The way of grace is to leave everything in the hands of Almighty God and the hands of our Savior Jesus Christ. The way of grace and mercy is to pray earnestly for all people, to pray for their repentance, to pray that they come to faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to join us as fellow redeemed sinners, fellow forgiven people that practice genuine love, mercy, and forgiveness, worshiping our Lord in gratitude. As verse 9 of the epistle states, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. In a world that wants us to keep score, in a world that wants us to seek payback for every slight against us, we are called to humility. We are called to faithfulness. We are called to bless others in the name of Jesus Christ, bearing his light, calling all to repentance. Our call is of a deep and assured hope that it doesn't matter how wicked one's relatives are as long as we break their chains of evil to repent and to seek to serve Jesus over them and their wicked desires to have us serve their sinful agendas. See, the agenda of the lost, especially of family members that are errant, is for us to serve them through appeasing, embracing, and even joining them in their sin. The promise of God is that this agenda has been forever broken by the finished work of Jesus Christ that has opened the door for us now to be received into the family of God as the dearly adopted children of the Lord. To secure this status, we are called to forsake and to hate the evil of this world turning to Christ, even if it is leveled at us from family members, to repent and to live in his righteousness. As we know, there will be pushbacks such as unrepentant family members that say, you must respect your elders when we reject their sin, or of children that say, you don't love me if you don't embrace my lifestyle when we reject their sin. Jesus said such divisions would occur in the Gospels over the choice between following him 
or following in the sins of family members. The loving thing to do for the errant family member is obedience to scripture, as we are called in our lesson to hate all evil and to pray for the repentance of those in their sins, along with calling them gently and respectfully to the truth of scripture that defines sin in the only manner in which one can be delivered and saved for eternity, repentance and turning to a faithful allegiance and trust in Jesus Christ alone as our Lord and Savior. Yes, the times we live regarding the push to deny sin as the Bible defines sin is a massive storm and whirlwind that seems to hammer us from every side. But only Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior can deal with even these storms. As we read in verse 7 of Psalm 65, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Let us rest in his mercy, in his grace, as the family of God, as his dear children, as we know, he alone keeps us and preserves us through this world to his glory, to his honor. Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance that thy church may joyfully serve thee in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <laughs>